one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's Alex Crook, as Manchester City start the defence of their realm. Morris across the face of goal and Sterling tucks it home. That is another majestic goal from Manchester City. This is how you go top of the Premier League. Chelsea win the UEFA Super Cup, but are they City's closest challengers now Lukaku has landed? Phil Foden isn't sure. You know, the great side and I'm looking forward to just playing them again and, and hopefully, um, yeah, we can, we can beat them this time. Could they be your biggest challenges, do you think? It could be a one-off, yeah, definitely. They're up there. All 10 games previewed ahead of the weekend in depth and with forensic ability as the Premier League football returns. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. Uh, welcome back. It is Darren Lewis, who's in the pod for the first time of the brand new season. I couldn't be bothered to turn up for pre-season training because um, <laughs> he's trying to force through a move to the Athletic. Didn't quite work out for him. So we welcome him back with open arms. It's lovely to see you. This is the type it of love I waited, I waited, I waited. I, I thought the two chairmen would talk, but they didn't. Um, I better stress here that I'm joking, just in case anyone gets any ideas. It's good to be back. <laughs> You're going to end up in John Cross's column. This is the type of lovemaking. <laughs> uh, right, Crookie's here as well. Hello. Hello. Nice to see Darren back, bring a bit of a quality and class to the podcast at last. Uh, Love yeah. you too, Alex. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> the check's in the post. Um, look, uh, Chelsea won the UEFA Super Cup late last night, and it was very late. We seem to go on forever. One of the things about the Super Cup I never get is why it has extra time in it, because, oh, God, it did drag, didn't it? It did for me. I nearly missed my last train covering the game. It did for me too, you know. I think um, I think all the organisers seem to forget that it's a pre-season game. It's a, it's a European Community Shield. It should never have uh, extra time. And um, listen, Chelsea won. Good win for them. Good win for Kepa in particular. I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. But uh, a really uh, good result for the man that can do no wrong, Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, but I think Kepa made his first save since he learned how to use Microsoft Word. <laughs> um, right okay uh, we've got 10 previews to get through starting off with our first game live on game day Manchester United against Leeds United and the season has started the football is back and it's live 
on Talk Sport. Played in towards the far post and put in beautifully by Jaden Sancho. I feel we're improving, getting closer to winning things, and I've always believed in uh, my way of uh, playing football. Into Fernandez, inside the area. Fernandez low under the goalkeeper and in, and Manchester United are in front. When you come to a club like this, you know and you have to understand you will fight for every every competition you are, are included, you know. Into the middle and Bamford scores! And Leeds United retake the lead! We're always trying to score goals, always trying to create chats. That's just the way that we play. Rafinha coming in field, making it five! Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Rafinha! We go to win every single game and, and that's the way it will always be. For the first time in 17 months, Old Trafford will have a capacity crowd. Um, look, we're not entirely sure about the Manchester United team, whether Sancho will be involved, especially from the start. He only rejoined the club or only joined the group on Monday. Uh, there's no Rashford, no Lingard, no Tellez, no Bailly, no Cavani. I mean, it's not going to be 100% full-strength Manchester United team, Crook. But as you sit here right now, wearing the brand-new Manchester United away kit in all its glory... Um, by the way, I didn't realise it was... Uh, it was such a good look on you, you know, that stripy kit. Fantastic. Um, how are you feeling about the start of the season? And do you think that Leeds United will pose quite a tough challenge? Because, I mean, United blew them away at home last campaign, but it was different away. Yeah, and it'll be a different game uh, with the fans in, inside Old Trafford. We'll probably be say, saying that a lot during the course of this podcast, but I think this is one fixture uh, where it's a really pertinent point. The first time they've met with fans since Leeds knocked United out of the FA Cup a decade ago. I know their supporters are really excited. They're going to make plenty of noise at Old Trafford. But in terms of United, I'm quietly optimistic. Um, I like the signings of Sancho and Varane. I would have still liked a, a holding midfielder and another number nine. I think United probably will bring in one more player before the window closes. Um, but they've had a good pre-season. I thought they were fantastic against Everton. I know you shouldn't read too much into that, but some of the goals they've scored in pre-season really have left their supporters drooling. And I think it's imperative they make a good start, which they didn't last year. Obviously, losing at home to Crystal Palace really set the tone. And they struggled at home without those supporters throughout the campaign. They have to improve that. They have to make Old Trafford a fortress. And the reason I say they have to make a good start is because of the quality of the the top four this season. I think there's a big gap between the top four and the rest you might only be able to lose three Premier League games over the course of the campaign to end up as champions. So they have to get those points on the board early, especially as Pep has been saying that Manchester City maybe are a bit undercooked for the start of the season. I disagree with that in that the numbers, I, I think it's a top five and then the rest. I think Leicester City are a very good team and I think they will continue to be so. And we'll, we'll talk about them in detail a little bit later on. But uh, Rafael Varane through the door, Sancho through the door, Varane only just out of COVID isolation, Darren. But those two positions were problems last campaign. United finished second. How do they finish higher? They need goals. Um, I'll be very interested to see what happens with Kane because they should be involved in that conversation. I think nothing was ever going to happen as far as Harry Kane was concerned once Manchester City were paired with Spurs for the opening game of the Premier League season. Politically, it would have been a nightmare for Levy to even contemplate sending out suggestions that he could be sold ahead of that match. But once it's gone, then we'll see whether or not Spurs will keep him. If they are prepared to sell him, I think Manchester United should be prepared to meet the money to get a 30-goal-a-season striker, because if they can, then uh, Kane could bridge that gap between themselves, uh, United and City. Anthony Martial is probably going to start up front, uh, Crookie, for uh, Manchester United this 
weekend. He said in an interview this week that we need to match the physicality and intensity of Leeds United. We know what they're going to bring. In terms of Marcelo Bielsa's side, do you think maybe the second season will be more difficult than the first? Yeah, I think history tells us it, it tends to be that way when a team come up from the championship and the surprise package, it, it, it's a difficulty for them to replicate it second time around. I'm intrigued to see how Patrick Bamford gets on with the pressure uh, of a crowd, particularly at Ellen Road, because he, he did miss a lot of chances last season. When you start doing that in front of supporters, they can get on your back. It was almost like a training session at times for him last season. Martial's an interesting one. Only four Premier League goals last season. Inter Milan, I understand, have shown a little bit of interest in, in taking him there to replace Lukaku. United have said no to that deal. But this is this is last chance saloon for me when it comes to Martial because he's been here for six years now. For me, he still hasn't justified that price tag. I think United will go all guns blazing for Erling Haaland next summer. So Martial's got a year to prove that he still deserves that frontline striker role at Old Trafford. I was never of the opinion that Martial was a £57 million player. The package told him £57 million. He'd done nothing at his former club to suggest he was worth that outlay. And I think it was only that much because it was United that were in for him. Uh, it's not his fault, of course, but but he, I think he will go and he'll probably revive his career elsewhere. I think as far as Leeds are concerned, second season syndrome is a problem. Sheffield United showed us that last year. They lost Junior Ferber, uh, sorry, they brought in Junior Ferbo because of obviously lost Stanley Oski. Um, Patrick Bamford, a lot of pressure on his shoulders. 17 goals last season. Can he replicate that? If he can, then maybe they'll have another good season. Talk to me about Manchester United's midfield because it looks as if they're going to try and play a little bit more progressively. 4 3 3 as opposed to 4 2 1 3 2, whatever it is that he was playing last year. Um, <laughs> it didn't quite work for them because they were a little bit. Reliant on um, the goals of Bruno Fernandes and the performances of Bruno Fernandes. Whereas this year, they're looking to free up that midfield, maybe include Donny van der Beek, who's put on a bit of timber. He's, he's been in the gym. He's been doing uh, work with a nutritionist and a sports scientist. And all of a sudden, his muscles are bulging and he looks fit. What we saw again, yet again in the Euros, was that when you surround Paul Pogba with quality, he can play. And I think that if they can configure a midfield that allows him to express himself, then they'll start to get the best out of him again. And people say it's on his shoulders, but you've got to create the conditions for big name acquisitions or even lesser name acquisitions to express themselves. I, I think that any number of formations they could have because they've got the quality in there. Um, I almost wonder if they could get another player in there, um, but I'd like to see how Donny van der Beek does this season, given he wasn't had given many chances last time around. It will be interesting to see if he if he still deploys that system without Varane, because even if that signing is confirmed um, by Saturday, you'd imagine that he won't be ready to go straight into that team, having not really had a pre-season with Manchester United. Because I think the reason that they feel more confident in, in being more expansive is because they're going to have Varane and Maguire at the heart of their defence. They need to find a way to fit Pogba into the system and need to find a way to get the Pogba of the French team playing in the Premier League because Paris Saint-Germain now, uh, having recruited Lionel Messi, just can't afford to get Pogba out of Old Trafford. And I think they really need to get him tied down to a new deal. It's a pretty embarrassing situation if Manchester United end up losing a player they spent £89 million on for nothing this time next year. Let's talk about Leeds United because they've had a bit more of a cohesive pre-season 
than Manchester United, but uh, they haven't played particularly well so far and they've conceded a lot of goals. Darren, can we read too much into that? Not really. I mean, I still think pre-season is basically an opportunity for players to get fit again and to get to know each other again. One win from their five pre-season games. Uh, I I think that the issues relate to whether they can sustain last season's uh, wonderful campaign, the best since 2002 when David O'Leary led Leeds to fifth. And also to see if they can tie Bielsa down to a new deal because he hasn't yet signed his new contract. Maybe he hasn't had the assurances that he wants, rightly so, because he can hold them to ransom given that they need quality if they're going to push on. And I don't think they've got enough to push on in that final third. Uh, we we know what that's like, by the way, waiting for someone to, to commit and and stick with us you know we've waited right to the last minute for Darren Lewis to sign his new contract this year he kept us waiting until 8.05 on the day that we were recording the podcast it's outrageous really uh, disrupted all our plans we had all sorts of different irons in the fire and I, I just you know to be honest with you I just feel incredibly uh, incredibly sorry uh, for Charlie Wyatt who uh, was going to get in the move across but you know, it's fallen down because Darren actually eventually just took up the seat anyway um, right okay let's move on to uh, the big game on Sunday which is Tottenham against Manchester City oh my word what a game we are witnessing it's like watching Brazil they were fantastic in that break buckle up it's going to be one hell of a ride and has just played a fantastic pass down the field for Grealish. Grealish holds it up, delivers the ball out wide. Looking for Mason Bound, who oh. controls the ball on the fight. Forward ball to Rashford, who'd found a little bit of space just outside the box. Now Salah on the edge of the penalty area, driven wide to the left. De Bruyne, he's galloped clear down the left side. Puts a cross in, looking for Vardy. Ball will break here, big chance, and Kane finishes with his right foot. And Harry Kane back among the goals. You can certainly see that Chelsea are going to be challengers next year. Obviously, everyone's talking about Jaden Sancho. I think he's a, a generational talent. Does Ben White make Arsenal better? The answer is absolutely yes. We were incredible convinced for Jack Grealish. He can get another level with us. The football is back and it's live on Talk Sport. Pep Guardiola is expecting a slow start. Uh, it took 12 points from the opening eight league games last year, which wasn't very good. No Foden, no Kevin De Bruyne, no Sterling, no Jesus, um, possibly uh, some of the other players that come back from the Copa America and uh, the European Championships might be undercooked. Um, do you think that they will be up to speed when it comes to 4.30 on Sunday? Is it just another Pep Guardiola ruse? Um, not necessarily. Um, because you're right, they did make a slow start to last season and you've just listed the players who would be unavailable. If you're in the Tottenham dressing room when that team sheet is handed in around about half past three, you will be feeling, well, if we're going to take anything from Manchester City this season, now is as good a time to do it. I've actually been quietly impressed with the new note Espirito Santo. He looks to have got Tottenham organised despite the chaos caused by the Harry Kane situation. Obviously, the England captain is, is going to be a massive loss for them, but I, I don't think this is necessarily a foregone conclusion that Manchester City just turn up and, and steamroll Spurs over. Uh, Tottenham have won the last two league games against Manchester City at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Away from home, it's slightly different, of course, um, but um, they haven't really signed anyone. Christian Romero is probably their big standout signing this summer, Darren Lewis, and he's, he's not going to be available for this game. Yeah, Brian Gill has come in, though, the young uh, 
a playmaker. He's replaced Eric Lamella and there's a lot of excitement around him. And I'm quite fascinated to see how he will do too. I think they've looked good in pre-season, three wins from their five games, two draws in the other two matches. And I think last season told us, didn't it, that if there is a time to get City, it's early in the campaign where they take time to get going. So I think this could be a draw for Spurs, you know. Mm, interesting. I, I'm, I'm not too um, I'm, I'm not too far away from you there, Darren. I think it could be quite a tight game because, you know, Espirito Santo is quite a pragmatic manager. Um, and although City won the league by 12 points last year, they do did look a little bit short in the Community Shield, I thought. Mm, they did, and Leicester were able to take advantage, obviously, ultimately. But just, you know, last season, I, I watched them on a few occasions and they just were not that ready to rumble until round about November. Um, and I think even though there was a, a fairly underwhelming reception for Nuno taking over, given that he'd flirted with a lot of other clubs and Spurs initially said that they didn't want him, that his style of play didn't suit what they want to do as a football club. Spurs had they, been on Tinder a few times as well, hadn't they? Up until that point. <laughs> Balling Tinder. Everyone kept swiping left. Uh, that, yeah, but they kept swiping right, thinking they'd got a match and all of a sudden it disappeared. Appeared just before the day. This is the, this is this is the thing. I think as far as the summer has gone, Spurs have been all over the place in some regard. We've been here many times with players fight, wanting to fight their way out of Spurs. I still think Kane will leave at the end of this summer. Um, but as far as this game is concerned, I think they've got a chance to nick a point. Well, they're saying that he could be on the bench for this weekend, which would be a surprise. He's likely. Um, to, to be around though, isn't he? This week, he certainly has been training again. He got 23 of their 68 league goals last season. If he doesn't start this game, Crook, where do the goals come from? Well, that's the issue, isn't it? Um, obviously, then there becomes a lot of pressure on Son, but, but they've coped with the situation before. It's worth remembering that Harry Kane wasn't on the pitch when they so dramatically made it to the Champions League final with that win against Ajax in Amsterdam. And Son is someone who does tend to, to step up to the plate, but I think Nuno will be pragmatic I think he'll try and keep it as tight as possible if it is to be a draw and I'm probably coming down on, on that side with you guys I don't see it being a, a 4-4 I see it being maybe maybe more a nil-nil or a 1-1 and, and Tottenham would be very happy with that Son scored the winner last week in the North London derby pre-season derby against Arsenal Spurs have beaten City without Kane before as well so I, I don't go too far down that road I'm very much of the opinion in football if a player wants to go let him go and I think that's the case for me with Kane uh, Norwich take on Liverpool uh, in the late game live on TalkSport 5.30 on Saturday because we're back to sort of conventional kickoff time conventional kickoff times we're in you know, 12.30 5.30 couple of three o'clocks and then your Sunday games but all of the games are taking place on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend. Um, very different Liverpool at the start of this season, Darren, uh, when compared to last. Virgil van Dijk is back. Uh, Canate, four players uh, uh, chasing three forward places, including Diogo Jota. Um, competition in midfield. Thiago might be a doubt for this one, but certainly this is a team that finished last season stronger and is looking to start this season in a similar vein. Uh, it's not going to be much from me on this one because I think they're going to vindicate what I've been saying for the last, what, 10 months that with all of their best players fit, Liverpool will be a force to be reckoned with. Defensively, they'll be better. Offensively, they'll be refreshed. I think this will be a Liverpool ready to challenge for the title. And if they can add a couple of players before the end of the summer, 
they'll be in terrific shape. Uh, Norwich have lost Buendia, but if they keep Todd Kentwell and get the best out of uh, Rashika, they will be able to create chances, Crook. The problem for me is the defence. And the goalkeeper. We know my views on on uh, Angus Gunn if he does start the season. But, um, Don't it looks start a stronger... war with Brian again. Oh, <laughs> crikey. Here we go. Brian, it, it looks, just it text looks him. A strong... It looks a stronger Norwich team than the one that last graced the Premier League. I think they've been more ambitious uh, with their transfer dealings, obviously helped by that windfall for Buendia. Um, There was a suspicion earlier in the window that Aston Villa may look to replace Jack Grealish with uh, Todd Campwell. My understanding is they're not going to follow up their interests, so Campwell will stay at Norwich. That's a bonus. And I'm really intrigued to see how Billy Gilmore, who is in my fantasy league team, gets on this season. I think he's a terrific player. He showed that with such a mature performance uh, for Scotland against England at Wembley I think he could well be a diamond in the rough for Norwich but they'll still go down uh, Dazzy do you do a fantasy Premier League team? I do in fact I think we should do one within the podcast Brilliant Brilliant, uh, brilliant. No, you, no 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 no, we're not having another league you'll just have to join one of the leagues that Crook set up he's got about five <laughs> of them but it costs, it costs a tenner alright so get your cash ready when we oh, see you next there Thursday you go, shaking me down again Yeah as always um, Norwich City have, have considered quite a lot of goals against uh, Liverpool Liverpool have scored 29 times in their last eight Premier League clashes uh, with Norwich do you think this is going to be a comprehensive win then Darren? Not comprehensive I mean Norwich Norwich came up this season 97 points they came up with they scored 18 fewer goals but they conceded 21 fewer goals as well and they've worked very hard over the past season on being better defensively so I'll be very fascinated to see whether they're more streetwise now that they've come up remember they had a good win uh, over the champions last September and then they were bottom of the league by Christmas playing good stuff and getting pats on the head they don't want to be patronised this time around and I think they'll be harder to beat. I think Liverpool will win, but I don't think it will be easy. I looked at that defence and I thought, personnel-wise, I'm not entirely sure about it. I know they've worked on it and I know they were better last season in the Championship, uh, but I'm, I'm still not convinced. What about Brentford? They've also come up. They start the season on Friday night against Arsenal. First ever Premier League game, 74 years away from the top flight. Welcome to Brentford. They're going to be a, a permanent fixture on this show for at least a year. Um, they, they were excellent in the second tier, to be completely honest with you. They've uh, bolstered their back line with Christopher Ayer. Um, do we think they've done enough to stay in the Premier League, Crookie? Yeah, when we did the preview podcast and we were asking for surprise packages, you rudely interrupted me and then never actually came back to ask for my surprise So, package. Darren, but what I do you go- think? <laughs> but I was going to nominate Brentford. Well, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like the way that they're run as a football club. You look at the number of players that they've sold for a decent profit and managed to replace and still prosper. I think the owner, Matthew Benham, deserves a huge amount of credit for that. I like the coach, um, the way that he approaches the game, their style of play. And I think Ivan Tony, who I heard on Brentford, this week just oozes confidence and he just believes in his ability to make that step up from the championship to the Premier League I think Christopher Ayer is a very shrewd signing for the defence I think they could well do a Leeds I think you'll find that come the turn of the year they might well be challenging in a mid-table position and I think there'll be a fixture on this podcast for longer than just the one season you know I try not to be rude Darren as you you wouldn't you know me I know how polite I am um, there's a bit of a backstory to that. What happened was, is we were getting towards the end of the podcast and Crook had been involved for too long because he's only got a very short attention span. So we'd gone past the hour mark 
and uh, he, I think he had a tea time or he was playing snooker or something and he was trying to hurry everybody along. So we started to sort of tee up the next section and he was racing ahead of everyone. I went, oh, hold on. So I was only interrupting him because he was trying to rush things through. He gets a little bit excited, you know, he's like. Um, <laughs> Good to see he hasn't really let it linger. No, 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 no. Still, still. And then he rang me up straight away afterwards. And, you, you didn't let me give you my surprise package. I said, are you doing this now so that when Brentford would end up having a great season, you can keep referring back to it and we'll say, no, no, you never said it. And he went, yeah, yeah, I know what you're going to do. Uh, talking of uh, teams that uh, are hoping for a good season, Arsenal certainly should be expecting one, Darren, shouldn't they? They've got no European distractions less games they've invested a little bit in the squad um which, which side do you fall down on this is a good thing for arsenal they can develop and build or it's a disaster that they're not in europe i think i, I fear this is going to be the early season story of the campaign because it shouldn't be a disaster that they're not in Europe, but I'm not convinced about them defensively. They bring good players in. Ben White's a terrific player. I think he's overpriced at £50 million, and I think he's, he is a reason, or rather Brighton demanding £50 million. It is not his fault as an individual, but I think Brighton demanding £50 million for him is a reason why a lot of British clubs go forward. Um, I remember West Ham being quoted, and I've said it many times on the podcast, £35 million for... Um, uh, Jimmy Tarkovsky. James Tarkovsky, absolutely. And they decided that they would go for the boy from Watford and ended up doing it on, on, a, on a loan and ended up having a terrific season and getting into Europe. So I, I think Ben White is, is massively overpriced. And I look at their pre-season, they conceded in every game. And that's my concern for Arsenal. They still don't know how to stop leaking goals. That's why I think Arteta will be under pressure because after last season, he needs a good start. I'm not convinced he's going to get it. Uh, we spoke about this last week on the preview podcast and uh, Crook and I have been sort of messaging about Mikel Arteta, mainly because I, I watched the, the Arsenal-Chelsea game and I thought they were very poor in that match. You can see what they try to do. There's lots of patterns of play and they're very coached, aren't they? I mean, I, I would say very well coached in terms of he's obviously got his ideas across. Whether those ideas can be carried out by those players, I think is a, is a different argument. They have signed Ben White, you've mentioned, Tavares. They'll have to hope that Tierney stays fit and he hasn't done that consistently since he's been at Arsenal. Saka gets involved again and has as good a season as he did last year. Smith Rowe continues to flourish. What, what are they hoping for? What's their target, Crook? Well, their target is to get back into the Champions League, but I'm not convinced the squad is, is equipped to do that. And um, I'm not sure that £50 million on, on one central defender is necessarily money well spent. I think they should just spend that money on a, a couple of players. They still need an attacking midfielder. I know they're big fans of James Madison, but Hussam Hour would seem the easier deal and the, and the cheaper deal to do. Uh, breaking news overnight, they pulled out of the uh, quest to sign Aaron Ramsdale, bulked at Sheffield United's asking price, so their search for a, a backup goalkeeper continues. It's just a bit of a mess, isn't it, on and off the pitch for Arsenal. And uh, for me, the best they can hope is to get back into the Europa League. And that would be, that. again, for a club of their size, that would be a failure. Well, just to add to that, I mean, a number of their young players have decided to leave the club and go elsewhere. One of them is Daniel Oyagoki, who's gone to Brentford's B team to try and get a pathway through to the first team. Now, 
when it used to be, I remember when young players would give their eye teeth to be in an Arsenal's youth system uh, and, and, you know, dreaming of breaking into the first team and doing a Bukayo Saka. But at the moment, the club are in a mess, they're underachieving, the manager overcoaches. I, I think as far as the transfer policy is concerned, it's still a mess. And uh, yeah, as I said before, I think that they will be the early season story um, of the campaign. A lot of watchers tell me that Pepe is going to have a good season. I think Arsenal fans will be crossing their fingers on that. Chelsea against Crystal Palace is another three o'clock Saturday afternoon game. New era. Chelsea have got Romelu Lukaku back. The European champions are everyone's tip for who could run City close. But maybe not Phil Foden's. Chelsea beat you three times in six weeks at the end of last season. Have you got a bit of needle for them now? Yeah, they're a great side and I'm looking forward to just playing them again and and hopefully... um, Yeah, we can can beat them this time. Could they be your biggest challenges, do you think? It could be a one-off, yeah, definitely. They're up there. Yeah, I spoke to him, actually, uh, at the uh, season launch of the Manchester City uh, Premier League Kicks uh, campaign earlier in the week, and we were having a little bit of a chat about, uh, one, why have you dyed your hair back to black? And he said, because it was too much hassle to just keep dyeing it blonde. Uh, and also about the, the, the other challenges in the Premier League. Do, do you sort of concur with him that actually you know, there's two or three teams that actually could cha- uh, challenge Manchester City rather than just Chelsea, who everyone seemed to be talking about? I think there's there's four, um, and I take on board with what you said about Leicester, and I respect them, but I still see a, a gap between them and the top four from last season. I think it will be the same top four again, and you could almost put it in any order at this stage. What I would say about this game is having watched the Super Cup, Chelsea looked a very good side in the first half, lost their way quite dramatically in the second against Villarreal, and like Manchester City, they look just a little bit underprepared. Lukaku uh, probably won't start this game. They were in dire need of a focal point like him against Villarreal. He will bring an added dimension. And Crystal Palace, having been a bit sceptical about the appointment of Patrick Vieira, I think they've quietly had a very good transfer window. I like both the centre-backs they've signed. I think Conor Gallagher is an astute buy that they're looking possibly to bring in Will Hughes and maybe Eddie Nketiah as well. And again, if there's a good time to play Chelsea, to play the European champions, maybe the first day of the season is it. And I could see a possible surprise scoreline in this game as well. Maybe a 2-2 draw. Oh, interesting. Having spent some of the summer with Patrick Vieira, uh, in which we were watching quite a lot of European Championship football uh, together, he was very laid back and very chilled out. Um, And and I, I didn't get the impression that he was going to be the Crystal Palace manager until the moment that he got up one night and went, hmm. I might not be here tomorrow. <laughs> where, where did it come from, Darren? Uh, well, they needed to make a younger... Uh, I've said many times, I remember when they brought in uh, Frank de Boer. They wanted to get a sexier style of football. De Boer told us on pre-season out in the Far East. Um, but they panicked and they threw him overboard very quickly and went for Hodgson, who was very safety first. But for a long time, they've wanted to go back to getting a, a, a more cohesive entertaining style of play um, and given that Vieira is a very forward thinking coach worked obviously at City in New York City worked obviously in France and they saw him as being the kind of progressive coach who can bring players on they've won four of their six preseason games they've been scoring goals um, I, I'm not so sure this is going to be a season where they're wholly reliant on Wilfred Zaha. Benteke looks better. Guehi and Anderson, the two centre-halves, they look to be uh, getting a bit of an understanding. Um, 
or they look as though they will get a bit of an understanding. Um, I like Vieira. I don't see why people say it's a risk. I think he's a really good, safe pair of hands and I think Palace will have a good season. Is it a risk because he's been fired from his previous two jobs? Tell me who hasn't. I, I just don't believe that when Roy Hodgson decided he was going to leave or more Crystal Palace actually decided he was going to leave that Patrick Vieira was anywhere near the top of their shortlist. It's almost like a Tottenham situation. I was told yesterday actually that Frank Lampard was told the job was his and he didn't want it and then slowly they whittled down the list. And ended well, let up me ask Vieira. you a question. Let me ask you a question. Lampard was fired by Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, know, I know Patrick. I think why would he have been better? He's a brilliant communicator. He's an excellent football um, observer. He's very laid back, very calm. He doesn't get ruffled. He was the one uh, in the in the green room this summer, splitting up the fights between Kino and Wrighty. You know, he's been playing peacemaker. Um, he, he's a he's a very he's a he's a very good articulate uh, football man, and I wish him all the best. I actually think he's done very well in recruitment-wise, Conor Gallagher in central midfield is going to be excellent, I think, over the course of his career. I hope that he can translate his form from last season into a Crystal Palace shirt this season because he will really have a, 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 a cracking opportunity because there is a little bit of a vacancy in that midfield. Yeah, I mean, him and Michael Alisi was a young championship player yeah. of the year, wasn't he? Um, the, what they need to do is get that link between the midfield and the attack. Um that will uh, enable Zaha to score more than the, I think it was 11 goals he scored last season. No Eze um, as well for a little while though, Darren. Yes, they've lost Eze for quite some time. And that's why there's so much onus on Elise uh, to step in. But even more so, Conor Gallagher, as you say, they tried to sign him last summer and couldn't get him in. So they'll be pleased that they have managed to get him in the door. Uh, and if Vieira, who knows all about playing midfield and getting forward, himself if he can get that midfield to kind of form an understanding with the forward players then they could get some joy crook do you think that chelsea might be hampered slightly by the extra time and uh, the lateness of the game in belfast yeah it's not ideal is it and 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 observing the game i agree with you it is i know it's slightly more prestigious than the community shield but effectively it is the it's european not, it's not, equivalent it's not slightly more prestigious it's a european trophy you, you, <laughs> it's you can not a sneer, european trophy you can sneer all you want uh, but ultimately, if you had been there last night, which you weren't because you couldn't beat Villarreal in the Europa League final, um, then you would have been cheering along like you wouldn't believe this morning had it gone your way. Do you know what? I, I remember on one of the occasions United played a Super Cup. and uh, Long time I, I ago now. Camping trip. Long time ago I was actually on a camping now. trip and I, and I didn't even watch the game. I listened to dispatches on the radio it's not a European trophy Jose Mourinho it is uh, a glorified friendly and I think the extra half an hour is unfair on the players at this stage of the season there were two sides going through the motions they should have gone straight to penalties and yes physically it's not great for Chelsea to get that extra half an hour and to play so late into the night that's why I think Crystal Palace might fancy their chances of an upset Chelsea only won seven of their last 14 Premier League games last season. They didn't have a particularly good end to the Premier League season despite lifting the Champions League. Uh, Palace ended the season with the second lowest XG um, whilst defensively looking vulnerable. So uh, Patrick Vieira has certainly uh, got things to improve. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. The FA Cup and Community Shield winners face Wolverhampton Wanderers under a new manager. Uh, Raul Jimenez is back. Ruben Neves is going to play slightly further forward this year, so may well contribute more goals. Fantasy football uh, managers take note. Uh, are Leicester going to be able to... Uh, deal with a more front-footed, less pragmatic Wolverhampton Wanderers, Crook? Yeah, I'm quite confident in Leicester in this game. I'm not that confident in Wolves for the season, to be honest. I don't know an awful amount about Bruno Large, but clearly it's an appointment that uh, Mendes has overseen. And I, I just think the squad looks a little bit short. It looked short last season uh, when they let the likes of Doherty go, keeping uh, Ruben Neves with interest from Arsenal and Manchester United is obviously a bonus and Jimenez is the old cliche, but will be like a new signing. He scored some goals already in pre-season, but you look at the bench and, and, and you do wonder where the backup options are coming from. Uh, Leicester have sorted out their defensive issues now with the signing of, of Yannick Bestergaard. I think for the money, that's quite a shrewd acquisition. Someone who proved himself in the Premier League and the European Championships over the course of the summer. So, so I fancy Leicester to win this game. And I think Wolves are one of those sides it could be a sliding door season. I, I think um, it wouldn't surprise me if they find themselves in the thick of a relegation battle. Wolverhampton Wanderers, one of four clubs that are starting the season with a new manager, Bruno Large. He was the assistant manager at Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea under Carlos Carvajal. So he does have experience of English football, Darren. But as Crookie says, in terms of Premier League, uh, he's inexperienced and he had an up and down time at Benfica. He's only spent two seasons managing senior teams. One of them was in charge of Benfica B. Um, he took over in caretaker charge. He won 18 out of 19 games um, and they won uh, the title. But then the following season in the senior team, he did badly and he left in the June. So um, I don't know what to make of him really. Um, and as as Crook was saying, clearly the hand of George Mendes would have been somewhere around that. I think Wolves needed to make a signing, given that this is a pivotal season for them. You know, because obviously having sacked Nuno, either they're going to improve or they're going to start to fall away. And they really needed somebody who would be a more experienced hand on the tiller. But then we sound archaic saying that because how many times have we said it in the Premier League? Pochettino when he came in, you go right back to Wenger when he came in. Just because we don't know too much about Bruno Lager doesn't mean that he can't make an impact in this division. No, um, I do like the, the look of uh, Leicester. I keep saying it. I like Bertrand and Barnes down that left-hand side. I thought they were impressive against Manchester City. 
I love Harvey Barnes. I think he's going to be a terrific player this season. Um, uh, Patson Dacker, raw speed. Looks like he, he's a bit like Jamie Vardy and he plays on the shoulder of the last defender. Um, he said actually he's prepared to race Jamie Vardy uh, to see who's the fastest when their hamstrings are in tune. He says it's too early in pre-season at the moment uh, to, to risk an injury, but I will race him later in the, in the in the season, I think we I think we should televise that. I think we should have a race, uh, a, a game day podcast race. Lucy can get involved. We're meeting up in person next week, as I understand it. Yeah. We could have a two hundred meter dash. Two hundred meters, not really a dash. It's a sixty meter dash or a hundred meter sprint. Which which, which 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 do you want? I'm better at long longer distances. So okay, hence though. You know I love you, Alex. But I'll, I'll take you Alex. on. Alex, you know I love you, but I, I, Sam looks as though he's had a good preseason, and you look like you've enjoyed your preseason. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the fit of these new football shirts, Darren. It's just the fit of these new football shirts. Uh, Newcastle really versus West Ham United uh, is also on this weekend. Uh, West Ham had their best season since ninety eight, ninety nine. Are you surprised, Darren Lewis, that they haven't recruited further? I'm sorry, I was laughing so much I didn't hear what you said. You you were laughing so much at your own joke that you didn't hear what I said. Um, I was just saying, are you surprised that after what happened last season, West Ham haven't recruited further? Yeah, I am. I am surprised because they finished really well. They got themselves into the group stages of the Europa League. I thought that they would strengthen immediately up front and at the back, but they found that hard to do. There are concerns that Jared Bowen could yet end up as a Liverpool player, which which is uh, quite fascinating. They're interested in him, but they like the way he plays. He's had an excellent preseason. And I wonder if that's linked to wanting perhaps to keep himself in the shop window, given Liverpool's interest. But um, I'll be very, very surprised if they don't improve at the back and up front, particularly given that James Tarkovsky could be available at a lot less than that huge price tag than Burnley put on him last year because his contract is running out. I think there's still one to watch in the window. Newcastle will get Joe Willock, apparently, although I can't find confirmation that that's gone through just yet. Uh, but is that the limit of their ambition, Crook? I think it is. Um, I think the stumbling block there is is personal terms, although, as I understand it, Newcastle are willing to make Joe Willock their highest paid player. Um, I was told by a very reliable source their entire budget for this window was £15 million. That's been boosted by Adam Armstrong's move from Blackburn to Southampton because they had a pretty hefty sell-on clause of anything over £1.8 That's where the extra cash has come from for Joe Willock. But it's a big leap of faith for Steve Bruce because, again, I think if you're going to spend £25 and you're a club of Newcastle stature, maybe you should use it to strengthen all areas of the squad rather than just one player. I think they're still too reliant on Callum Wilson's goals and the creativity of Alan Sam Maximam. History tells us those two struggled to stay fit for an entire season. So I think this is going to be a difficult campaign for Newcastle. And I do wonder if they might be one of the clubs who don't feel the benefits actually uh, see it as a negative having the fans back inside St. James's Park because we all know what the Toonami think of their manager. Um, I know that, Darren, you would have spent last week listening to our preview show. You, you heard it, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so you know what I said about Newcastle. I can't remember that bit. There was so much to take out of it. <laughs> <sighs> well, thanks for listening. Uh, no, but we were suggesting that um, Newcastle are a bit like the, the team that if they circle the drain long enough, they end up going down the plug hole. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason for that is, 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 is obvious. But 
Now, I've heard a few whispers in the week that always not particularly great behind the scenes there. Going back into full stadiums with a crowd, with a negative atmosphere, I just, I've got a horrible feeling about Newcastle this year. And I mentioned that on the pod last week. I thought they, they would end up getting uh, relegated this campaign. I think that's a real possibility. Uh, Newcastle won the season opener against West Ham last year, and then they both went in very different directions. Another 3 p.m. Saturday, Watford against Aston Villa. Uh, Villa start life without Jack Grealish. He only appeared in 27 games for Villa last season, and they've recruited Emmy Buendia, Danny Ings, Leon Bailey, and others in order to replace him. Ings looked very sharp in their pre-season game last weekend, although there was a problem because they were supposed to play Sevilla. They pulled out because of a COVID test, so they played somebody else. It wasn't exactly top opposition. Uh, but will those three uh, be able to settle in straight away, or will one or two of them take a bit of time, Alex Crook? Oh, I don't see any reason why, certainly, the, the, the two players who've got experience of English football in Buendia and Ings won't hit the ground running. I know Bailey is uh, potentially a very exciting signing, although it does come with a little bit of baggage, so it's going to be interesting to see how Dean Smith manages that situation. I was told What's actually was, uh, he was late for his own he was late for his own medical, um, I was told um, by, by somebody. No, I mean, he probably does come with you... baggage. It's usually sort of like about, you know, five litres and Louis Vuitton <laughs> embossed. Most people do. If you look, at, if you look at his history, someone who maybe has had uh, one or two off the pitch issues over the course of his career, which is probably why. But he was, he was a he was a child star, a wasn't he? Everyone thought he was going to be fantastic in the first couple yeah. of years in Europe. He was absolutely brilliant, and then he he sort of regressed a little bit. But I think he's ready to go again. Yeah, and and if, and if he is, then thirty million pound is a snip. Um, I like the way that Aston Villa have done business. We all knew that Jack Grealish was going to join. Manchester City, that was clear with the way that Villa were, were splashing the cash, but I think they've reinvested that money wisely. Defensively, they've got the same solid back five they had last season. I think they're European contenders. I think Grealish has won the lottery to get the move to City. At the end of this season, none of us, and I would imagine none of the people listening, would have imagined City's priority was an attacking midfielder over a striker <laughs> and that Grealish would be going to the Etihad over Harry Kane. Uh, and for Grealish to get that move, I mean, honestly, it's fantasy football for him. So He's sometimes done. do you think that Pep Guardiola is sort of like uh, playing a game of fours where he, he, he must have like as many in the same position as possible? <laughs> I always remember when people used to say about Rafa Benitez, why do you play uh, two holding midfielders against teams like Reading? And he said, because I couldn't play one. Uh, you know, uh, and I think as as far as Guardiola's concerned, uh, he, he, he just seems to be obsessed with these diminutive attacking guys, fleet-footed, sees an eye for a pass, but he needs goals. And I, I, I am amazed that he's prioritised Grealish over Kane. He could, get, he could get Grealish though, couldn't he? It was an easy deal to do. It was an absolutely no-brainer, great thing to do. That So he, he maybe didn't prioritise Grealish over Kane, but actually the, the Kane deal is going to prove to be a little bit harder to do because the Grealish one, you just have to put the money down. There was but a release Sam, clause. You can, you can hardly spend £100 million on a player and then plead poverty for not getting the player you really need. They didn't spend £100 million on the player. They but, spent £40 the, million pounds because the deal is they, they sold the canteen or something. <laughs> 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 the point being, 
if I'm Cade, I'd be a little bit bemused by that deal, given that we all know their need for a centre forward is great. And I cannot see, we all know that I cannot, we all know they can't win the, the, the Champions League without an elite centre forward. And Kane is that man. Okay, um, Watford, uh, talking of centre forwards, they, they weren't particularly free scoring in the Championship. Uh, Pedro and uh, Saar got 21 between them. They've got Josh King, Ash Fletcher, Hernandez, plus those two. How are they going to get on? I think João Pedro certainly improved on the job in the championship, but there's still a question mark if he can make that step up to the Premier League. Uh, Ishmael Assar, when they made such a good fist of trying to stay up under Nigel Pearson, uh, really did seem to have the X factor that Watford believed he possessed when they paid uh, the money for him. But... I think like Norwich, I think they need to do a bit more in the window. They're certainly one of the relegation candidates. Um, and actually on the preview podcast, I think we all agreed that they would probably go down. I'll stand by that. And when we're talking about managerial casualties, it wouldn't be unlike Watford to change their manager 10 games into the season, would it? Well, I'm just checking to make sure they haven't already. Um, I didn't have them to go down, by the way, Watford. I had Norwich, Burnley and Newcastle. And the reason for that was because I think if they do look as if they're in trouble, they will change the manager and they'll change the approach. They're actually quite good, at Watford, at staying in the Premier League, as odd as that sounds because they've just been promoted. But this is their sixth season out of seven starting in the top league. So it sort of sends a bit of a message that they're, that they're usually here to stay. Whereas Norwich, you know, three prom- uh, th- uh, four promotions and three relegations since 2011. They're quite happy to be a bit of a, a yo-yo club. Um, right, let's, uh, oh, before we move on from Watford, we should talk about Will Hughes and Nat Shalabar because there's a bit of an issue with contracts there, isn't there? Will Hughes, probably their best player last year, training with the under-23s because he's got one year left on his deal and is re- at the moment refusing to sign a new one. Yeah, and a bit in the dark as well about exactly what approaches Watford have had for his services. As I mentioned earlier, I think he is on Crystal Palace's wish list. Maybe Newcastle's as well will be a good free transfer signing for somebody, I think. Uh, obviously, he had his injury problems when uh, Watford were, were last in the Premier League and they, they went on to last season. But if they can keep him fit, I think he's a, a very good signing for somebody and I would expect him to leave Vicarage Road between now and August the 31st. <laughs> Premier League matches on a Saturday. Game day is back too. We are Talk Sport. Calvin Lewin has tucked it in. Everton lead inside a minute. For me, it's a challenge. For me, it's a great opportunity to do well in the Premier League. Charlison makes his way forward, gets to the edge of the D. Ultimately, our goals are European football and we're working hard to try and achieve that. It's a birthday double for Ward Prowse. It's a third goal for Southampton. We know what to do for next season. We know how we have to react on the transfer market. We have to know how we, what we have to change. It's been turned in by Theo Walcott. We're a club where we believe that we can compete against anyone. To being consistent at top half, simple as that. On Talk Sport 2 on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock, Rafa Benitez takes charge of Everton at Goodison Park uh, for the first time in a Premier League match against Southampton. As a dyed-in-the-wall Liverpool supporter, Darren, how do you feel about seeing Rafa stride out at Goodison Park to the Zed Cars theme tune? It actually feels like, you know, you're driving on the, the M25 and you see something in the carriage going the other way and you're quite fascinated and you look across and you're obviously keeping your eyes on the road, but you glance fleetingly across um, to see what's going on because this is fascinating. But 
I, I wonder if he could be the solution. Um, everyone's very underwhelmed. He's going to obviously have to fight the fan base, but there are some big underachieving players that have left the club and are off the wage bill. Mashiri makes no bones about the fact that he's brought him in. He says, look, we need to be competing at the top end of the league and to be winning trophies. And so he's dismissed all of the detractors. And I think he's given them a blank sheet of paper and said, go out and do it. And the first two signings he's made, Damari Gray and Andros Townsend, you know what he's going to try to do. Get balls in from the wide areas for uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So straight away you can see the game plan in midfield. He, I, I think he's got to get rid of Hamas Rodriguez and get more mobile uh, link man in there. And in defence, he's got to do better and maybe get competition in for the goalkeeper. But if anyone can, Rafa can. So I'm not that fussed about the fact that he used to be Liverpool manager. I know lots of people are, but I, I think Liverpool will be okay and yeah. uh, Everton will be a fascinating watch. I, I, I'm I'm a bit sort of, obviously I've had the same experience that, that many of the Everton supporters have gone, not, not the same, but like a similar sort of situation with Rafa. When he came to Chelsea. When he came to Chelsea. You just can't help but like him. If you've ever met Rafa Benitez, he's just one of those charming guys that you just can't... Yeah. He, he melts you very quickly. He's also very good at what he does. Yeah. Uh, politically, I think, sometimes he can cause a few issues in terms of he, he does push the envelope with the board and with the, the, the people above him. But first of all, before he does anything, he gets everybody on side. And then when those battles start to happen... He's the one who's being backed by the fan base. So he's always in a strong position. He's not a stupid guy. He's a very clever guy. Um, Ralph Harson, who talk, will have to do absolute miracles uh, to get himself in a strong position with board and fan base after what has been a summer of decimation. Saints won seven of their opening 12 last season. They lost uh, so many games towards the end of the campaign. But they won only four of their final 20 Premier League matches. They've sold Danny Ings. They've sold Yannick Vestergaard. What on earth is going to happen to them? You know, I was dreading this part of the podcast because as someone who's pretty close to the hierarchy at Southampton, I know how hard the likes of uh, Martin Simmons, their chief executive, and uh, uh, Matt Crocker, their director of football, are, are trying to revamp that squad. They were in an almost impossible situation when it came to Danny Ings and, and Yannick Vestergaard. Uh, Danny Ings having initially indicated that he was willing to commit his future to the club unless uh, a Champions League team came in for his services, then up sticks of the first offer that came in his way. I think £30 million for a, a player of nearly 29 years of age who has a history of injuries and has only actually scored 20 goals in the Premier League once in his career is, is too good to turn down for Southampton. It would, they couldn't reject that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Yannick sorry, sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you reading from the, 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 the Southampton press release here? Because you seem to be doing quite a good job of being their spin doctor. If, well, he'd stayed, if he'd stayed, you would have said, what a fantastic bit of business keeping Danny Ings fantastic player now that he's gone oh he's not that great anyway oh, my mates in the boardroom have done a great job <laughs> I just I just I just think the, the, the money was there Yannick Vestergaard 15 million pound again he only got a year left on his contract wasn't going to sign a deal it's very difficult for clubs lower down the food chain when that happens. I think we're going to see more of it. Uh, players it's running great, down it's, 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 okay, it's great business. You can take thirty million for, for for Danny Ings, and you can have fifteen million for, for, for Vestergaard. One, you should probably have never get yourself in that situation in the first place. Yeah. Two, you've got to be forward thinking now and going, what's ha what's going to happen next? What is going to happen next? Where, where are the players coming from? Adam Armstrong may end up being a fantastic Premier League player, but he's only ever done it in the Championship. And let's be completely yeah. clear. 
He's a former Newcastle player who's been on loan in the AFL for the, the best part of five or six years. It's not like he's he, he just found him some, well, brand new discovery. He's been around for a while. No, but I kind of like that because I think that is less of a risk than bringing in a, a player from overseas and, you know, exhibit A, Guido Carrillo. At least Armstrong has some idea of what English football is all about. I think he feels he's got a point to prove um, in the Premier League having been let go by Newcastle. And Southampton weren't the only Premier League club in for him. Crystal Palace made a bid. Uh, Norwich and Watford were sniffing around as well. I think what it illustrates is a lack of quality number nines. And we've spoken about that before. Right at the top level, you've got Kane, Lewandowski, Lukaku and Haaland. That's pretty much it if you're a Champions League club in this country. And it's the same for teams lower down in the Premier League. So I wish Armstrong all the best. I think they need a a centre-back now with Premier League experience because they've lost Bertrand. They've lost Vestergaard. That's two of their back five from last season. Two players who know the Premier League. Cahill will be a fantastic signing. As far as I know, Southampton want a slightly younger model. But that, for me, would be a very intelligent buy. I think the start to the season is is crucial for Saints. You said they dropped off like a stone at the end of last season having started so well Ralph Hasenhutter will have them fit I think that could help garner some points at the start of the campaign but listen as we sit here now it's difficult to make a case for Southampton not being part of the relegation shake-up get, get, get your mates in the boardroom to go after Gary Cahill there you go there's a little tip for you there you go you could get a commission on that you never know and you will take it <laughs> all day long <laughs> I think actually Southampton are paying the price for poor business decisions four or five years ago, to be completely honest with you, because they've got they've got no money now. And and you mentioned Carrillo, which is one of the prime examples of players they spent a lot of money on and got nothing back from. Um, final game of the weekend, um, Burnley versus Brighton. Who would have thought that would be game 10 that we get to? Um, two teams for which goals were a premium last season. Brighton have signed four players. They've lost Ben White. And Davey Proper. But I, I, I'm going to put my hands up and say, I don't really know anything about any of the four players that they've signed. So I tried to find out a little bit about them. Matoma, Japanese midfield player, who they signed and then loaned back out to Belgian football. Uh, a young goalkeeper. Uh, Sarimiento is a young English boy who um, raised eyebrows at Benfica, did very well there, but still not one that's going to go straight into the first team. And 23-year-old Zambian midfielder Mwepu, who may end up being a, a fantastic acquisition and play alongside Basuma, but I must admit when he first signed, I thought he's there to replace Basuma. So I, I can't see where Brighton have pushed themselves forward in terms of their roster. No, I agree with that. Although I think they're quite excited about Mwepu and I think if they keep Basuma, and as far as I'm concerned, they haven't had any firm bids for him, that's a good transfer window. But... They still need that striker, that number nine. Um, slightly surprised they've not been part of the Tammy Abraham conversation, but maybe wages and, and the transfer fee are too rich for them. But, I mean, you love expected goals and expected goals tell us that, that Brighton should have been a lot higher in, in the league last season. They would have been had they had someone who could stick the ball in the net with regularity. Danny Welbeck is yep. injured again, um, and that is always a risk when you sign him. So... I would expect them to bring in a striker between now and the, and the end of the transfer window. And that is the, the transformative signing. At the moment, it's been an okay window. They've raised a lot of money by selling Ben White. Again, £50 million, an offer they couldn't turn down. And it looks like they're keeping Basuma, but they are still one player short for me when it comes to the final piece in the jigsaw of, of making sure they're not one of those teams who, who could be in trouble at the wrong end of the table. Dazza, don't have a go at me, but I've backed Brighton to finish in the top half this season. 
Oh, that's optimism for you. I can't see that happening. I think they might struggle again um, because without Ben White, they've lost a big, that they have a, a big hole in that defence, which I don't think is going to be easily filled. I do like Muepo. He's got a huge reputation. He's versatile. He can play defensive midfield, but also further forward as well. Uh, the talk is that they might have a look at um, Odson Edward. At Celtic, now that they're out of the Champions League, he'd be a good signing for them up front. I don't think they're going to go down. I think Southampton, Newcastle and Burnley are the teams for me who are most in danger, given what we've said already. I think Brighton will be okay. Top half, though, maybe you're reading comics. Hold on. Newcastle, Southampton and Burnley. So you're saying that none of the promoted teams are going to go down. Who's reading comics? No, I think all of the promoted teams look in good shape, actually. They've, they, and because, listen, Norwich came up pretty much by accident in some respects last time round. They weren't ready for the Premier League. This time round, they, they've got a, a clear strategy. They're thinking it through. They're intelligent with their transfer business. Same for Brentford. Um, and I actually think Watford have got the experience to stay up as well. Um, but you talk about the other three teams and very often with big clubs, there's complacency that sets in. And that's the word that you have to use with each of those clubs, particularly Burnley, who I would, I'm amazed they haven't really invested in the quality to, to stay up. Well, let's talk about them. They've signed Nathan Collins from Stoke for 12 million quid. That at the moment is about it, apart from Wayne Hennessy, obviously they brought in as a, a goalkeeper on a free transfer. Only Crystal Palace had an old only Crystal Palace in the Game Day podcast had a older starting lineup than Burnley uh, last season. Um they lost seven of the last nine. They haven't won at Turf Moor since January. Yeah, but that's because there's no fans there at their happy place. I think that uh, I, I think again, it's because they they're, probably... they're not very good actually. No, I think they were probably one of the teams who missed supporters last season. I, I know you think they'll go down, Sam. Um, I just I don't think it's think... fair on Sean Dyche. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. And as Darren says, No, Darren... I agree. And, and, and the new owners are flattered to deceive so far. Darren, come on. We need your catchphrase. <laughs> well, when you do circle the drain often enough, you end up... <laughs> Going down, and hey. I think that's exactly what Burnley have done. And I, if I'm Sean Dyche, I'm making sure my phone's charged up because he almost certainly will get an offer for a club that is prepared to invest in the team uh, where he'll have good players to work with. They're an honest group of players, but the people who have taken over haven't provided enough investment in the side to suggest that they've got a chance of staying up. I can't see it. I think he'll keep them up, Sean Dyche. If he, if he sees out the season, he'll keep them up. He's going to score their goals. And defensively, how, how, how are they good enough? They, they scored 14 goals at home last season. Manchester City scored five goals there and they only went there twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Wooden Barnes are, st are still a partnership who, who, who will cause problems. Obviously, the Tarkovsky situation is an interesting well, Alex, one. But again, Alex, I like I like him Alex, and Ben Mee as a pairing. Let, let's not say they're going to start because we like them and they're good players. I mean, let's look they at... They also gave me a free coat. Exactly. I mean, I, I get it that we're respectful of them as individuals and players and whatever else, and we know what they can do. But Sam's given us the numbers. You know, we can't, with this preview, we have to be honest about what we're seeing. And it's a mess at Burnley. I'm sorry. They're like the car that you leave in the garage and you don't drive it for months and months and months. And there are weeds growing out of the windows and stuff. <laughs> sorry, but no, come on. 
that there speaks a man who's got too many cars. I just don't see Sean Dyche taking them down. Maybe he I won't, be wrong. but maybe somebody else will. But I, I, I always go back to the guy who, who came in, the head of the uh, the investment company, ALK Capital, who took over in December, uh, who said, uh, the Premier League has never seen owners like us. Well, <laughs> at present, we've never seen them. So you're absolutely right. No one's seen anything so far. So <laughs> it's all very much exactly the same as it was beforehand um so look, good luck to Burnley I hope that they pull it out of the fire and I do hope there's a bit of investment there um over the course of the next few weeks before the, the transfer window shuts when Crookie it shuts when because there's there's two isn't it is it international window and a Premier League window yeah the Premier League window is 11 o'clock on August the 31st I think in terms of players leaving the Premier League they get an extra couple of days for the international window Okay, thank you very much to Darren Lewis. Lovely to have you back. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. And next week we'll be recording this podcast we've done so far. We've recorded all of our podcasts uh, remotely. Next week we'll be all together. Are you looking forward to that? Are you excited about it? Looking forward to the party afterwards. Lucy getting the company credit card out of storage. Must be a few quid on there after 18 months in lockdown, I'm sure. Right, we'll be back on Sunday night with the review of all the weekend's footballing action. Uh, Alex and I will be joined by Trevor Sinclair. Make sure you download it as soon as you wake up on Monday morning. This is the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.